Hi, is this a ghost walk? Well, yes it is. All right, well, I'm here. Well, fantastic. Uh, you by yourself? Yep. I have to have at least three people to go on the tour. Are you serious? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I... sorry about that. Uh, it's like policy. I came all the way out here, though. I mean, yeah, I don't even make up the rules on that. It's like uh, minimum three people to do the tour. Unless you wanted to pay for the other two slots. Well, how much is that? Well, they're only 45 bucks a piece, so, uh, let's see. 135. That's way too much, though. I can't. Well, I'm sorry, man. I don't know what you want me to do. I don't write the policies. It's a corporate thing. Um, I gotta have three people to do the tour, man. Welcome to the film room. Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, we have guests today. We have Evan Fallbaum, director of The Paranormals. And we have... I am so sorry I'm terrible with names. Uh, well, my name's the worst, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Can we just say it? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay, it's Kimberton Hargrove. Uh, he played Thomas in the film The Paranormals. Yeah. Some background. I saw it at the Kansas City Film Fest in April. I was a screener there. I saw a lot of features, but I unfortunately did not see theirs during the screening process. Yeah, it was it was a really fun film. It was the only feature I went to at the fest. They just released it on YouTube for all to see. Which is how I saw it. Yeah, we highly recommend. Yeah, just go to YouTube, type in Paranormals. It's from Movie Sauce. And, um... I don't know if yeah, long type in paranormal will be the first thing that comes up. <laughs> Unfortunately, I get you there a little fast. Yeah, movie sauce one more. Um, we'll have a link to it on our uh, on our blog and all that. Cool. Excellent. Yeah, and we'll get it out on. We'll include a link also on our uh, Twitter channel as well. We 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 got a lot of ways we'll get uh, the word out on the film awesome. because we do definitely think. Uh, People should see it. Uh, this is a lot of fun. You have fun making it. I could tell. I could tell. Uh, so, uh, this is your first uh, feature? It's actually our second. Oh, nice. Our first one we made was called Getting Outer Space. We made it in uh, at the end of 2009, um, Christmas 2009. It didn't come out until like 2011 because it took me that long to finish it. But um, it's on our YouTube channel as well. It's not as good, but it's I, that one was. We wanted to see if we could do it. Yeah, that, we were right out of college. I was like, I want to see if we can make a feature film. And so I had this thing I made a short film of, and then we adapted it and just went out to see if we could do it. Where'd you, uh, where'd you go to college, if I may ask? I went to UAB, uh, University of Alabama, Birmingham, and I actually majored in graphic design. But I got oh. into film when I was in high school, and I was doing film throughout college. But I rationalized that a uh, graphic design degree would, would be a better, uh, a safer bet for me than a film degree as far as uh, getting a job. That's after. pretty much my job, so yeah. Yeah. My sister's a graphic designer also. Cool. Yeah, there's there's a lot out there for it. It ended up actually helping a lot with my film stuff too because, you know, you know color theory and composition and things, you know, they all kind of translate. 
just doing designing your own posters and DVD box art, you can do that too. So that helps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it all it all kind of blends. Right. How long did it take you to uh, to make this one? So it took about we shot it over the course of a month. Uh, our our whole cast of crew was volunteer. We did this for like around three thousand dollars. We didn't have hardly any money to do it with. Not bad. So yeah, everybody right. involved was volunteering their time, both uh, actors and crew. And so we uh, had to kind of figure out a schedule that would work around everybody. So it was a lot of nights and weekends and shooting at weird times when certain people you know, fell in line to, to shoot. So it wasn't like 12 hour days for a month. It was like running around and picking off things here and there for a month. I, I was like barely there. Like I was there for like two days. So I didn't have to deal with any of Yeah, Kimberton actually was living in LA at the time. Yeah, I was in Los Angeles. So like I flew in like maybe two weekends. Like two weeks in a row, and I just did all my stuff and left. Like, man, <laughs> all, like stress of a production, and I'd show up and like not know my lines and like just stay and like then leave. Right. So I did not have to, you know, lose as much sleep or go yeah, through it. all your office scenes in like two days. Yeah. I noticed there was a lot of unity of location um, yes. on that. And so that was, uh, and and honestly, that came through. Uh, we probably spent um, probably three or four months writing it. Me and, and Keith Shively, he was the co-writer. It was originally his a concept he had come up with to do as a uh, a web series, um, and so the, the different episodes would be different investigations. It kind of lends itself to that really well. Yeah. Uh, but I was interested to make another feature, and this project had been kind of on the back burner for us for a while. So I sat down with him and tried to figure out how to do this as a as a feature film, and uh, we had written. A more ambitious script that had um, went to a lot of places. There was like a ghost convention idea we had, and then we kind of sat down. I, we had this draft that we really liked. It's kind of everything we wanted to do. We sat down and looked at it, and uh, I was talking to my wife, who was the producer. And we're like, I don't know that we can make this without any money. How the hell are we going to do a, a ghost convention and, and all this stuff? So uh, we we spent like a a couple of weeks doing some major re rewrites and probably altered about half the script to kind of simplify for locations and things like that to make something that we could actually pull off without any money. So there were sacrifices there. Yeah, I um I've worked with uh zero budget productions before and it's yeah, it's where everyone's volunteer and it's kind of a nightmare to coordinate that because Without the I'm going to pay you money stipulation, it's hard for people to get motivated unless they're yeah, dedicated. So yeah, I, I feel you there. Fortunately, most of the people, probably 90% of the cast and crew are people I had worked with before, so they kind of had a working relationship and people kind of trusted what we were doing. Oh, nice. I, I have done, you know, earlier on we've had things that did just fall apart because people just don't show up or don't care. Um, so this, this was a little bit more controlled because we had people kind of trust what we're doing so yeah but i mean a lot of people will say yeah i'd love to be an extra i'll be there tomorrow <laughs> you, you don't know yeah. who's gonna show up uh and that being said we still had a couple of shoots that we had to like reschedule because people didn't yeah. show up and stuff so it happens we, we knew that going in that that could happen so we kind of prepared, prepared for, it. for it yeah you gotta have a, that contingency plan and i think that kind of goes back into the writing process too is we kind of you know, we didn't write anything we knew that we wouldn't be able to do. If, if one person didn't show up, that it would screw it over, you know? Yeah. 
and like Danny, the main character, is is a close friend, and and he's worked with me on pretty much everything I've done. So I was like, "You're gonna be the lead in the movie because I know you'll be there." <laughs> you know? Yeah. So as long as as long as you're reliable, the movie will work. Right. Put all your all your cards in one guy. And I'll kind of you know I'll be in I'll be in whatever Evan does really, and he lets me act, which I typically don't do. Um, but Kimmer was the lead in the in our, in our first feature, right? In space, so. Oh, nice. But um, I, I, you know, I like it, and I like all the stuff, and we've done a lot more together since. But um, he writes for me pretty well. I think it's essentially just my me playing myself, kind of. Yeah, the office stuff was pretty much. I I knew how Kimmer would play that situation. I just wanted to put him in it and let him kind of go with it because he's very good at that that dry humor. Those were actually some of my favorite sequences just because, you know, I love, of course, the interaction with the printer, the haunted, the haunted printer copier facts, and uh, just the fact that you have to continually try to get away from your desk and away from your coworkers as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. I just thought it'd be funny if you have these two guys that are like best buds that have been ghost hunting, and then <laughs> they have this turning point. One of them goes gets the normal job and can't get away from the ghosts. The ghosts follow him there, basically. <laughs> the other guy's going to try to make it as a ghost hunter, and he can't find anyone. <laughs> That'd be funny to kind of put them in reverse. I never thought about it like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> it's, it's it may not have come across as, clear, as clearly as I'd hoped, but... <laughs> it's a good, it's a good uh, twist of plot. Yeah, that was the kind of fun of it. Yeah. So, yeah, this was um, probably mostly location shoots. Like, uh, um, no sets, just all on location. Right. Yeah. So Which it's all is, stuff and easy access yeah, to. Yeah, a benefit of being in, like, a smaller town uh, is you can, or a lot of people will let you use their store, their house, their office, oh, nice. and just, like, take over. Yeah, we didn't have any permits or anything. No. These were all places people we knew. Actually, like, Adam's room and his house was all uh, our the co-writer Keith Shively's house. That was his, he had a pretty sad, <laughs> weird... Oh, nice. With yeah, the, the, the giant fluorescent light over the desk. I'm like, this is already kind of creepy already. I think we'll just come from. Yeah, and uh, no one knows what a like location fee is here, which is wonderful. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like usually they're just they give you stuff if you go to the restaurant. They're like, here you can you can eat for free. Yeah, I'm like this is amazing. In LA, we pay like six hundred dollars to be here. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, everyone's you know pretty. Pretty cool about it. Yeah, I was going to point out by the way, this is the second movie that the film room has covered that was shot in Shreveport. Oh, really? And I wanted, I wanted to point out this is much better than the other one that we did. Uh, well, we yeah, all the other one. I'm, I feel the, like the other it. one. Are you ready for it? Yeah. yeah. The other one is disaster movie. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys were better than that. Yeah, I'll I take it, it. I guess. I don't, I don't know if we put down the cover. That's probably the most backhanded compliment I've ever given. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. No, really, I mean, in, in all series. My wife was a costumer on that movie, but she will not be offended at all. Oh, but really? She worked, uh, Shreveport has a uh, Millennium Studios, which is not a very classy. Yeah, um, I'm familiar with Millennium. They've set up shop, and they have a, a basically a space in Shreveport so they can take advantage of the right these tax credits and so every once in a while they bring a big project to town but it's always some piece of shit movie uh, yeah my wife was working in Lane for a while she doesn't anymore but she worked on disaster movie so <laughs> kim kardashian was in disaster movie which yes, she not? was 
All right. Timmerton worked on the Kardashian show in L.A. too. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. I I just it occurred to me because I uh, I have some passing familiarity. I've been uh, at least once and. Uh, I thought you guys made a much better use of the location um, for the obvious fact that, of course, they were trying to disguise it to look like a bigger right. city. Right. You guys actually captured we here. We know what it, you know, we're trying okay. to make, we embrace the weirdness of it. And... Yeah. The, the, there was a nice flavor to it. And uh, I thought y'all did a really good, effective job working with that. And so I just had to point that out that, yeah, again, better than disaster movie doesn't mean anything because, I have a feeling that if uh, 90 minutes of someone running into a wall repeatedly would probably be better than disaster movie. <laughs> probably. That's, wow. a, that's a fun. I'm glad you pointed that out, though, because that's something that we have no way of like registering because we, 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 Shreveport's our hometown. We live there. So we don't, we kind of come at it, you know, okay, we know this place and this place. And we, we're, you know, we're looking for a little bit of character, but it's still. You know, we're so familiar with it that we don't know how that comes across to someone that doesn't know Shreveport that well. Or does this feel like a, a random small town in anywhere USA? It feels specific. Yeah. Cool. That's good. And you kind of have to show the ugly sides of it as well. I mean, oh, it has some funky things, you know, to the town, like any town. Um, but that's part of its personality is weird ugly stuff a funny thing about the uh, office location is that was actually uh that's my dad's office oh nice and we didn't do any set back <laughs> so like the little like conference room with like the inspirational posters those are really up in the conference room that's awesome that was that's, perfect like, like we couldn't we couldn't do a better job of decorating this office it's terrible oh. sorry dad but it's a cheesy that's office. Right. that's one of the best laughs in the film just the uh so he works there and it's like inspiration right creativity yeah it's great and the character is just like uh. it's nice <laughs> yeah i just i don't know i mean again i'm really i'm very adept to pointing to looking at location and atmosphere especially the uh the stuff uh, in the downtown area i just thought i just i liked that that was some really and I don't know why, but for some reason, the gray weather at that point just yeah. added an added query, so it was all yeah. pretty gray. Sure. Yeah, it it gave it it just gave it an effectiveness, uh, a realistic grounding, and I, I dug that. There and there are two. I mean, part of that is you know the intention of you know you shoot the winter, everything's dead and gray and cold and damp, and that that helps to kind of make it look pathetic. And we're kind of embracing, you know, our downtown Shreveport on a weekend is dead. There's nobody there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> other people might be trying to make that look like a bustling downtown. We're like, no, we're trying to make it look like they're in a pathetic city that nothing happens. In. Little Rock's exactly the same way. Right. Yeah. And uh, the other side of that, too, is I prefer shooting in the winter when possible because, A, it's better than the summers here when it's hot and humid, but also oh. sound I've discovered over the years doing this is, you know, yeah. you crickets and cicadas and all that stuff. It's like sound in the summer here is noticeably louder than yeah. the winter. And so it actually, because I've shot some films in the summer where sound has been a big problem. <laughs> as weird as that sounds. But no, it's uh, not to me. When, uh, you don't to... Have, when you don't have a like dedicated sound crew and stuff, and I'm, I end up doing all the post work on the, the uh, mixing and everything. So it's like, okay, well, in the winter, it's dead silent. So that's awesome. 
Also drier air, which just helps. Yep. It's just more comfortable on set. You're not sweating as much. And so there's a lot of I'm kidding. Yeah, capturing sound uh, to me personally is like one of the worst because yeah. you have to get everything like like just right. It's the kind of thing where it's like the more you do it and learn about it, it's almost like the more work it becomes because you realize how manual everything has to be and how much control you have to have. Yeah, exactly. And I um, more than actually making films, I uh, my calling is editor. Okay. Uh, so that's you know that's kind of my you know where I'm coming from it, but uh, but yeah, just the worst feeling is like shooting a scene, you know, capturing sound from it, and then going in realizing that the sound you captured so meticulously is crap. Right. <laughs> it's like oh I should have done this I should have done this so that's yeah but I mean I think having a podcast kind of helped me get better. <laughs> on yeah. Sound. Yeah, I mean, it just came down. This is the first movie where we really used uh, lab mics a lot more than we had in the past. Like, we have a really nice like boom pole and stuff, but it doesn't it doesn't cut it for every situation. Yeah, a lot of a lot of scenes. I I had like three or four or five tracks of audio for every scene that I had to end up going back and mixing it all. So yeah, it took me like a year to put the whole thing together, even though it's a fairly simple movie um, because uh, there's just so much material and, and I was getting really anal about sound mixing and stuff so yeah i mean and it it shows through there's no like it's this plays like a very professional movie <laughs> yeah i mean i, I wouldn't have, i wouldn't have guessed the budget i wouldn't have guessed the budget it it really did look and sound very good a big part of our budget too is we rented a cinema lens <laughs> yeah that was yeah i never thought of it before and i was like all right we're doing a feature i'm gonna blow part of our money on this even though you could argue it's not worth it. I was like, I, I want a cinema lens. Oh no! Yeah, it, I couldn't afford to rent like a full set, so I just had a twenty-five millimeter for the whole movie. I'm like, I'm just going to use this as a creative challenge. There are, you know, maybe maybe five or ten percent of the movie I use some other lenses to to get certain shots, but the vast majority of the movie shot on a single twenty-five millimeter lens. And then you know, you know, it, well, working with the camera and it has in that lens. It's like this thing could be a piece of shit, but it'll look great. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's, it's, it's <laughs> in the back of my head. That's what it is. It's like, it's nice little, like uh, maybe our script's not very good, but at least it might look good. You can use it in a film reel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm had a great trailer. Let's make a big montage. Trailer to raise some, money for yeah, the next one. Throw instrumental over it. No, it it shows. It looks really good. I watched it on. Uh, uh, HGTV and everything is so crisp. Thanks. And even yeah, even on the big screen. I'm glad that's noticeable because I'm always wondering if that even registers. It's like it's something that I that's important to me, but I don't know if it really comes across. And that's good to know. Oh yeah, it came it came across pretty it, hard. It really did. I mean, it just it just looked sharp. I mean, I've seen some cases where people were shooting with. Um, much worse equipment and it just didn't look yeah. good and and it just subcon but with a good kind lens a yeah but with a good lens it it's just a subconscious cue that tells you okay I'm watching something that looks and feels real um I'll tell you really what the look of this movie reminded me of uh, well really the whole film reminded me of this to a great degree was have y'all seen a uh, mystery team uh with uh Donald Glover um Oh, I know of it. I have not seen it. Highly recommend it. Now I will. It's it's an excellent film, yes. but 
I mean, it was very much done on a very low budget. Really, they just got lucky and happened to know a lot of people, which um, right. And also, they had Glover leading the film, which um, he's great. Helped it, it. It's but it's a very good film, and it, this really. I kept thinking about this in a very positive. I kept thinking about that film in a very positive comparison to y'all. It was like, yeah, this really reminds me of that. This really reminds me of the feeling that I got watching that. And that's, that's a good thing. That's, that's exciting. Now, now I want to go watch Mystery Tim. Yeah, I want to watch Zatcher movie and uh, Mystery Tim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you can do without one of those. Yeah. Oh. But it's always fun to hear what people like compare it to. Cause you never know. Like we, we had our, uh, we had our premiere screening in Shreveport. Granted, it was a lot of like cast and crew and like friends and family, so you know it was a it leaned on the positive side for sure. But there was one lady during the Q and A that said it reminded her of like the Big Lebowski, and we're like, oh my god, yes. <laughs> it's like that's a great compliment, but I'm not sure that's correct. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if anything, that's us subconsciously like just you know copying yeah. the Coen Brothers. Yeah, who wouldn't? I mean, uh, we had to get our minds a little bit when we were writing, you know, because it's like a crazy adventure. But it by no means was. Do we consider ourselves in that caliber at all? But it was funny. Yeah, it's just I mean, nice. it's we, funny we just kind of laughed in her face at the question. I mean, we were yeah. like, you know, it's, I don't it's not Wuthering Heights. It's though. not Wuthering Heights. It's just, you know, it's a little silly ghost movie. But, you know, it was nice to hear. It was very nice, yeah. As I said, it just really did work very hard for me. I, I really had a great time watching it. Uh, one thing I will ask, did you, like, how much research did you put into, like, the, you know, paranormal, like, I actually have a friend who, uh, went ghost hunting last night, funny enough. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I, I think she just does it as a hobby sometimes, but, uh, but yeah, how much research did you guys, uh, put into? That's a, that's a very good question, and it's, uh, it's kind of a complicated answer. I personally didn't do a ton of research. And I probably should have done a lot more than I did. My writing partner, Keith, had done he had done a lot more, and I think that's part of what inspired him with the original idea for the, the web series way back when. Um, he had been on like some ghost tours in Treeport where he, he had had some really sad experiences. <laughs> like <laughs> one person shows up, kind of thing, and they're like playing with uh, like code yeah, hangers and stuff. And that felt very, very, very true to life. Yeah. yeah. And so a lot of that is kind of comes more from from his experiences. I just kind of embraced his side of it and trusted the authenticity of that. As like I can I can totally understand that happening, but I, I myself didn't go out on any ghost tours or anything. Um, Danny, the lead actor, he did. He spent some time on YouTube looking up ghost hunters and kind of looking at some videos and stuff to kind of get a feel for that state of mind and 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 what they're trying to find and, and get but i'm not sure how accurate our uh we didn't put a ton of work in like the equipment and trying to get like the science right i guess um i was more interested in trying to kind of figure out the characters and 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 really the the ghost hunting elements more of a setting for these this weird street port story of these misfit characters i did yeah i didn't know i didn't know research um but having said that um it is kind of important to get those little like things like, you know, ghost hunting and those little interesting subculture things, right. You don't want to offend that community if they're watching it. Like I did, um, 
and this was after we shot this, but I kind of realized how important it is to do research. I did something on live action role playing on LARPing. Mm, yeah. uh, I wrote a pilot about that. And so uh, to, I really wanted to do it justice. And so I, I read a lot on the internet and then I actually infiltrated a, a LARPing group in Los Angeles. Nice. And, um, they asked me a lot of questions and like, I, you know, I didn't say I was writing anything. I just said I wanted to be a LARPer. And so I went and practiced with them one day. And um, just because I didn't want it to be completely, like, inauthentic. I didn't want it to be just, like, it also seemed like we were making fun of, like, nerds. You know, I didn't want to, like, just right. have a muddled kind of bullshit version of what happens. I wanted it to be like, no, that actually happens. And it's ridiculous enough, like, ghost hunting, where you can, you know, you can be honest and have it be comical. But that's really kind of what, what it is. It's kind of it. built into it. Right, um, and I think I think for the most part it kind of you know stays true to that. There's a funny the uh, if you the little briefcase that Adam carries around in the movie, the little black case, the ghost hunting kit or whatever. That's an actual went online and kind of looked for ghost hunting gear. Like I had to buy some actual stuff, and that was a prefab ghost hunting kit that had like motion sensors and a little plastic uh, uh, EMF reader thing. The app was real, right? The ghost hunting on your phone. Yeah. yeah. I wondered about that. Yeah, you downloaded one from the, the Apple Store. Um, so there are some, I mean, there's, there's some authenticity to that, but it's also, that's also part of the joke is this is a, a really pathetic little, like, $100 ghost hunting kit that had, right. like, headphones from the 90s in it. So, yeah. Um, we kind of mixed and matched some of it. Like, the ca- like they're carrying around, like, a 70, which is, like, our the camera we used to shoot our stuff. Right. So there's a mix of of actual filmmaking gear and some cheap ghost hunting stuff. But that app was like the best rated ghost hunting app. Like there are more <laughs> than one and they're all making, whoever it is, it's making a killing, but there's no instructions. It's just like this kind of green radar. Radar and it's just, everyone reviews it and like, it's great. If I found the ghost, you know, it's here. <laughs> so step one, hover near suspected ghost. Step two, ghost. Make a note, right? You're going to make a ghost hunting app. Yeah, okay. That's gonna make money. <laughs> yes, the official the official paranormals ghost hunting app. That's what we should have done. We're actually we're jo- always joked since we created the uh, the bootini was that if we make any money, <laughs> it needs to be for merchandising with the bootini. Yes, uh, that's where we'll, that's where we'll make our money. Yes, I loved that. Um, uh, that was the big product that he like you know all these other things like shot glasses and. Right. Yeah, that was the big thing that he was putting all his eggs right. into. And it's terrible. It just it doesn't even like you look at somebody wearing it, you don't really even see a ghost. You have to like think <laughs> for a second. Yeah, I didn't oh. think about this either. Evan had to go and design the bukini. What it was. <laughs> yeah, it's one thing in the script. It's like okay, he pulls out a bukini, and then like we're talking, about, oh, you got to make one now. So like, uh, yeah, I guess just eyes on the boobs and and a mouth on the crotch. Hey, there's that graphic. That's that graphic design dream. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it says, it says "boo on the ass." Yeah. That really reminded me of uh, "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia." Yeah. <laughs> That's the uh, dick towel. An influence in there. Yeah, because it does kind of like you're not making fun of it, you know, so much as just kind of. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, just just making light of. And that was important to me too because I didn't feel like I, I was in that world enough to make just to make a parody about ghost hunters we wanted to kind of it's half and half that and kind of just creating our own characters that are weird on their own to like 
Yeah. My, my hope is that when real ghost hunters watch it, they're not offended by us making fun of it as so, so much as we've created some right. fairly ridiculous characters that make fun of themselves. I think if you if you play it straight, the comedy's there. Oh, yeah. Um, with the subject matters. Because right. it's, if you're talking about it, you're serious, it just seems silly. And I'll say, like, I guess if there is a villain in the film, it's... It's it's the guy who doesn't actually believe in ghosts and wants to just use it as a scam to make money, and he's the right. asshole. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah, and I think that's probably the key thing is that uh, the main characters are in it for the passion, uh, even if it even if it doesn't necessarily yeah make money. That and I think that also strikes a chord for I know it did for me because filmmaking is kind of hard to make money at <laughs> if you're not if you haven't like yeah you're tapping into a very intentional thread that we have in there which is that if you substitute the the ghost hunting for filmmaking it's basically a movie about ourselves yeah <laughs> exactly to some degree and that's part of why i had like our our some of our filmmaking equipment and stuff in it as well as the ghost hunting stuff like a little this is a little bit us because as we we're writing it that was another thing too is you know when we first sat down i was like okay well here's here's a sequence of the most ridiculous situations we can think of to put these characters in it's like they go out in the woods and find furries and you know we could come up with a million things that are insane that were funny to do but then like you know there came a point where i was like we're, we're making a feature-length film here though so we need to have i want to care about these characters i need to figure out what makes them tick and you need to have your your kind of arc in there and so i found i found myself relating to them because of the them believing so much in what they're doing despite how absurd it is and that's that's how i feel about my own kind of career so we're basically once we once we realized that we were able to kind of more forcibly insert that in there yeah yeah like i, I didn't know the feeling of you know like i guess they're doing the haunted gas station or whatever and they had their gear out and all the cars are passing by and they're not at all like embarrassed even though everyone who's passing by like what the hell are those guys doing kind right of, yeah. yeah but i feel like that Oftentimes with Evan, we're filming something in town, and, and we've literally shot stuff at that very location. I mean, that, I, where the gas station yeah. is so supposed to be. So that's another, we've done photo shoots and stuff there where we're like on the side of the road in weird costumes. And you know, I used to like kind of look and be like, oh, people are looking. They're probably wondering. Now I just don't even notice that. Right. But everyone's looking like, what are those assholes doing out here? Like with a weird hat and they're filming something strange. That's the other thing too, where there's the point where he's talking to the furry and, he, and about how they're constantly embarrassed and the older he gets the worse it gets mm -hmm. it's like kind of the same thing too it's like you, keep, you know filmmaking is a hobby but now you know pushing 30 now and it's getting harder <laughs> you know? yeah yeah a correlation there so. I, I mean i know the feeling i've never made so much as a penny off of uh, any of my writing and right. i'm approaching the realization it's like oh i uh i'm not going to am i yeah but yeah still do it <laughs> yeah, you still do it because I still do it because it makes me happy. I, I'm about to do National Novel Writing Month because, well, because I want to. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And you know the the whole going away and getting a desk job thing. I, I think we both tried that. Both actually do that. Actually, to extent. Um, um, we would have Danny here too, except he's gone off and joined the Air Force. <laughs> so yeah, he very literally had to go and get a job since he made since he made this. So. Yeah, I remember you saying that uh, when we talked in April. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, I, he, I, he was able to come to the Kansas City screening, so that was nice. Yeah, and I I got a lot of love for the Air Force. I know a lot of good people in it, so yeah, yeah, I'll be great. I should point out, um, I'm actually uh, 
one of the things that I do as a hobby is uh, I, I do a little bit of urban exploring. So okay. I totally could feel like the whole subculture thing because that's something that I've started doing. Um, the other day, I actually found myself going into an abandoned movie theater and uh, oh. taking one of my friends took some pictures. And so I kind of can relate to the whole you're going in somewhere and people are looking around at you and you right. just because we definitely passed a lot of people who were like, uh, what are you doing? And it was like. There's right. an abandoned movie theater. We have yeah. to take pictures. Right. Which would have been a great scene in the paranormals, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. The uh oh yeah, the setting that the setting that we found was just breathtaking. And it's right. sat there vacant for sixty years or so. So right. creepy to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. It's now his Facebook profile picture, uh a pic yeah, I First time I looked at it, it's like, is that what I think it is? And it's like uh, a movie theater where the screen is missing and you can see, like, the stuff behind it. Like, there's, like, a little, mm -hmm. there's, like, wood paneling and a little electrical box. Wow. It's yeah. like, that's surreal. Yeah, that's a, that sounds like an awesome location. Yeah. It's funny how many things like that have popped up since we made this movie, but I'm thinking like, oh, man, that would have been a great place to do this. Yeah. Like, I think that goes back to the idea of this being really well structured for like a web series, because it's like, oh, I'm so there, so here. Yeah. You could do so much, but I mean, it's one of those things, it's also the inevitable thing of being, when you're in creative stuff, that's like, you always, when you lock something, think yeah. go back and think, oh, I could do this. Yeah, at some point, you just have to stop and move on. Yeah. That's that's kind of why I'm doing uh, NaNoWriMo is because I'm thinking to myself, okay, maybe I can – I've got – because I wrote three drafts of a script. I thought to myself, okay, I'm done. I've exercised it, and I kept coming up with more and more ideas. So it's like, no, I'm going to do it as a novel, and then I'm going to be done with it once and for all. And yeah. I don't think that's actually going to prove true. I think I'm going to probably wind up doing at least two more drafts after that. That's honestly one of the biggest battles of this of doing this kind of stuff because – you know, we shot this movie in February of 2014, so it's been a, a year and a half since we shot it, and we just put it on YouTube this month. You know, we had our, we had a festival screening and the premiere in town, but we're just kind of just now putting it out in the world, and it's like a year and a half old because it took me that long to go through it all and 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 try to constantly be perfecting it. And that, after a year, I had to finally stop, you know, but I still had to, like, stop a couple times. You know, I had to go back after Kansas City and, and tweak it some more. But it's, like, there's something to be said, too, like, oh, well, this movie is what we were doing. Like, you know, we started writing that, like, over two years ago. It's, like, we're in a different place now. We've made this and learned our lessons. And now, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to like, put it out and still be, like, excited about it because it's, like, it feels old to me. And, and Right, I, somewhere in my head, I was like, well, "We're better than that now. We could do better." <laughs> you know? It's like it's in the it's in the past, but we still need to, you know, promote yeah, this. So to make yourself excited about it, yeah. Nobody in the past or anybody else. Right, exactly. So. As these, as this, as the saying goes, you're only as good as your next one. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I know that feeling, and uh, I was going to ask. Um, obviously, I didn't see the Kansas City screening, but what did y'all wind up tweaking? There was only like one little scene I added back in that I originally cut, uh, which is probably the only noticeable thing. But it was uh, one of the office exchanges where um, Thomas bumps into the girl and it was lying about going to the dentist and everything. It's just an awkward exchange. Oh, that was a good yeah. scene. That was a good I, scene. I originally cut that out, um, but realized it kind of needed to be back in there and put that back in. But everything else was just little timing tweaks, like maybe to 
shaving up a little bit here on the scene or maybe cutting line dialogue and just kind of overall making it a little tighter in the scene. Um, so nothing, nothing noticeable, really. I, I liked that scene. That gave it a certain office vibe. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, going back, it's been like six months to <laughs> see it. And I expect you to remember whether that scene was there or not. Be like, oh, that's dude. Like, it's such a short little moment, you know. Exactly. But yeah, it did add, because um, I think the next time you see him, he's in the bathroom. So it did add I, a, I'm trying to avoid my coworkers because now it's becoming super awkward just to run, just to look at people. That's exactly <laughs> what I realized after watching it. You know, I can't just sit in because I'm just like, I'm not sure that quite comes across yet. I really do kind of need that scene back in there because that just camera went wrong. And I actually genuinely was kind of uncomfortable with, I didn't know that girl. She was, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you're strangers pretty much. It yeah, works. That, that played into it, yeah. I, like, I also like that his laptop is a little uh, uh, sur surface. Yeah. <laughs> the funny thing about that, I think it's so annoying. I was so mad about that. You know, it, it, it kind of makes sense. You know, as a little, maybe a little bit of a commentary on technology now or something, but that was completely just a practical thing that happened because we, we, we started, we started, you know, we get, you know, we're coming up to like a day or two before that shoot and we're like getting all the props together. It's like, oh yeah, he needs a laptop, you know, thinking, well, that's easy enough to get like a laptop. And I rate, like, I look around and everybody has like MacBooks and I'm like, that doesn't, MacBooks aren't office to me. Like MacBooks no. are... Um, coffee shop to me it's like he's right. in a land it used to be like an ibm pc or you know like something black and, and boring right and I, I had that little tablet thing and i was like i'd rather this than the macbook so let's just use this and it can kind of see that he has this big he's got this double wide cubicle he's got this tiny little computer <laughs> see that's funny to me though because macbooks are the standard at my job yeah like, the, like they're pretty much what i see sitting around the newsroom all the time, so I wouldn't have blinked. And maybe it may, yeah, and that may be a, a dated thing in my head, and and maybe I have enough normal jobs <laughs> to gauge. <laughs> to be fair, Austin works at a newspaper, so I mean, there's yeah. a lot of media that goes into that. Yeah. Normal is not really the standard for my job, right? <laughs> I guess for me, I didn't want it to be as cool as a MacBook. You know? right. <laughs> an Apple product just seems too cool in there. It needs to be. I didn't like Weird. it because there's like an admin like lock that kept oh. yeah, the password and like Evan wouldn't tell me the password because I, I wanted to like play on the internet while yeah. I was waiting. Check my emails. You know, and like between takes and you know, uh, so I kept logging out. So I had to like you know be present. Which was I just like that you you sort of like you could tell that it was new to you. Like the way it folds up. Yeah, it was always kind of awkward. So like, it just kind of never really gets it. And it's kind of funny. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, and it's I love the um, the way his boss intro. It's like, so here's where the magic happens. Here's your desk. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. And this is all you, buddy. Prime real estate, double cubicle. Not many people have this. No, I've never seen this in my life. And feel free to make it yours too. Yeah. Put whatever you want up there. Personalize it. Postcards, photographs. Action figures. Uh, we, did, we did so many takes that I let them kind of play with like what they were saying. <laughs> like there's one where he goes for like several minutes talking about like how it's got the whole office suite on it. It's got power. But like, <laughs> we just took it so far. Like we had to do like a shorter one. I mean, I like I like uh, things going to the point where it's excruciating. Yeah, we, we do that a lot. You just hold it to you. 
I tried. Yeah. I tried to control that urge, but more because I do go so far. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. I mean, if we're up to us, we would just have it. It would be a twenty-minute scene of who breaks first, basically. <laughs> right. Yeah, you definitely uh, don't want to pull a Family Guy on. <laughs> right. yeah. But yeah, it's it's great for uh, like outtakes and just being able to choose what you want <laughs> from it. The uh, Wendell Riley playing the boss was great, and and I knew Timber could do that stuff, and, and I just let them rip, and I realized that they they both kind of got it really well, so it's just a lot of fun to let to see where they could take yeah. it. Yeah, one of the other great little touches I thought was um, looking around at like what everybody else in that office has compared to like his little cubicle. Like everybody has like a fancy, a fancy office chair, and like I think I saw some desktop computers there. Right. Yeah. They were, they were more serious desks. Yeah. yeah. And that's like the perfect blend of you know you know we go into the office and there's literally one empty cubicle there. Right. It's a couple of days before we're shooting there, I'm like scouting it out. I'm like, well, this is perfect. It's right in the middle of the room, like the worst place to be. <laughs> Everybody, people come from from all sides. There's just perfect symmetry here. Really, no privacy. And there's nothing there, but a, there was like a printer on the desk already. You know? Right. <laughs> well, you know, we can come in and, and make it look like something, or we could just embrace that there's nothing here. This is the worst seat in the office. Right. It just worked. I mean, if that, that, you know, it's not that, that's the kind of stuff where it's like, I couldn't have writ written that in the script, you know. It was just yeah, the line we ran with it. So. I love that everybody thinks that like, he's the one that is messing with the copier, even though he has a printer right there. So why would he ever go there? <laughs> well, it eventually becomes pretty hard. To, that was fun too, because like, well, how much evidence can we keep pointing towards him? That's just pretty much indisputable. Like the photos of him like screaming in the copier. <laughs> And it would be easier if you would just say, yeah, I did that. Yeah, right, won't, right. You won't admit it, right. I did that, haha, ha, that's a great joke. <laughs> yeah. Then he, he has no control over when it ends, so it becomes this really long-running joke, and everybody's getting tired. Right. And it so. feels very true to life in a uh, workplace, that kind of thing. Weirdly enough, that kind of thing feel, felt pretty true to me. The whole, you're being looked at for something that you're not actually doing. I've been there. <laughs> Yeah, he's the new guy. Everybody assumes he's just trying to like break the ice or something, and it's just it doesn't quite yeah, work. The he's not meshing with trying the team. Too hard. Yeah, and really that was a whole different kind of like movie in a way. It's like they're sort of like you know we have these ghost investigations, and we just have this you know kind of going back to like the office or something, where we just have this really fun office humor, and really stale environment, and completely different from these these crazy characters that we're out in the world exploring and the other stuff. I, I have to say, I really the the whole scene with the doll was just so. <laughs> that that's that's most people's favorite yeah. part because it just it all came together so well. The guy uh, Dennis Cook who played played our Jason character, he came in at the very last minute. I had not even met him until he showed up on set, and he nailed it. He just he owned yeah, the role. He we, we had somebody else lined up, and they they canceled, which is you know goes back to not having any money. Right. So we're like, you know, scavenging. Uh, my wife was like looking through Facebook and stuff because she has all these contacts from working in the movie business. And he's not even an actor, but he was someone she knew, and he kind of looked <laughs> looked apart. So she contacted him, and he was, he was game for it. He showed up. He never acted anything. I don't think he's a mechanic. He's, yeah, he's a mechanic. He works on cars and stuff. Like we need you to wear like a robe and like be disgusting and creepy and like he just owned he it. Owned I remember doing a in the house and everybody like was cringing at how creepy you were. It was like, oh my gosh, I can't oh, that's wait. That's amazing. Y'all must be the paranormals. 
Come on inside. I've got something really spooky to show you. Well, thanks for calling us. We'll get to the bottom of it. I'm sure you will. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't there for when they filmed that. So I just saw the footage after and I was like, who the hell uh, is this? We're like, we're like, this guy is amazing. Write, I'm going to write something for him now. Like our next project, he's got a part, whatever. I don't know what it'll be yet, but he's in. <laughs> he's ready. He's like, I'll do anything. He's also being completely naked on screen. A testament to, you know, quote unquote actors. Like a lot yeah. of times someone who's not an actor will be, a lot better than some people you find who build themselves as actors. They're too actory or they're too... They might try too hard. Yeah. They'd be thinking a little about it. He had no inhibitions. He was just ready to go. Yeah, because he just gave himself over to just being the most uncomfortable presence. You just wanted to actively back away every time he was on <laughs> screen. Yeah. And that played perfectly with Danny because he, he has... he's He's got this, like sixth sense for awkward situations we always joke about like danny sees an awkward situation coming like a mile away and he'll start to try to prevent it from happening before it's even there and that ends up being awkward in and of itself because nobody knows that an awkward situation is about to occur in danny's mind <laughs> and so like putting him in that situation where he's just like he can't handle it was perfect like he would be the he would be the victim to this character that was fun to put put them together yeah, Danny, I mean, I've known Danny over 10 years now, and he's still, like, uncomfortable around me. So, I mean, yeah. his awkwardness in the film is not... That goes back to, like, a lot of these characters. Like, we're writing it for the people that we know, you know, for at least for Kimmerton and Danny and uh, Mitch, who played uh, Dirk. Yeah, yeah. They're all friends that I knew and have worked with, and so I, I was able to kind of customize those characters for them. And so everything's... All of them kind of an, is, is somewhat of an exaggeration of themselves. So Danny's awkwardness has just turned up even more. Yeah, I think this was Danny's first, you know, real time acting, especially being the lead character. Yeah. And he did a lot of, like, rehearsing and thinking about it and uh, it got in his head a lot. And, like, yeah, I had to kind of tell him, like, you know, just, I, I made this for you. You just need to be yourself. Like, because he would try to kind of over-prepare sometimes. So I was like, it's just, it's you. Just say it the way you would. He would, yeah. He'd always <laughs> go, you want to run lines? I was like, I haven't looked at him yet. And he's like, what? <laughs> Like, I'll look at him right before. Yeah, you know, it'll be fun. But it, it worked. Like he was, he was doing very well. I was gonna say, uh, one of my favorite running gags is uh, Dirk Diller. How he how he pronounces his name. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it's Cajun. It's like, no, it's it's Dirk Diller. <laughs> yeah. There's a uh, there's a little bit of story behind that. His character was originally named Mark in the script. It was just a completely trivial name. But, you know, he, he he decided he wanted to, like, name the character, and I was totally on board with that. You know, the more you want to own the character, the better. I, I had no attachment to Mark, you know. Right. So he came with Dirk. He's like, it's just like Mark. It's just a little different. And he had this whole story about, like, a Dirk Delure is, like, a sheet form you make out of, like, cardboard, and you, like, put it up to your mouth and Dirk Delure. <laughs> he has a story about this that he explains yeah. better. We're about to put out a, we're about to put it out on a Blu-ray, and there's, like, a commentary with, with him. Because oh, I was thinking of Dirk. I immediately thought of Dirk, Dirk Diggler from Boogie Nights. Yeah, same. same. And then I was like, oh, man, that's kind of like a, just a ripoff of Dirk Diggler. But then I heard the story, and it made so much And just knowing that he had that much of a story behind it, I was yeah. like, okay, and it's weird, it sounds weird, the fact that he has to correct him on it, it's, okay, let's go for it. You know? Yeah. That's Plus, part of I mean, the fun of life. Letting people own it, you know, and just kind of have fun with it. Plus, Dirk is just such a great asshole name. Uh, when we did our yeah. uh, fake, 
when we did our fake movie for our uh, April Fool's Day podcast, <laughs> we named our villain Dirk. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I guess because it's close to Dick, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's just not a good name. It's funny because Mitch is one of the nicest guys in the world. He's yeah. He's literally one of the nicest people I've ever met. He's a great guy. He's like he'll 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 be there if you needed him there for a twenty four hour shoot. He'd be there. Oh, uh, nice. But it was fun to kind of put turn him into kind of a, a sleazy asshole. He's a family man. He's got three kids and you know he's married and like he's, he's like. My daughter having a prostitute part, you know. <laughs> he was really good at it. Yeah, he really. And we had done my, my only thing I'd done with him before was a short film called Clowns and Robbers, which is like 15 minutes, and it was something we hoped to make into a feature one day. And the short didn't quite, you know, I'm, I'm not. It didn't go as far as we wanted to, but it's the first time we uh, worked with Mitch, and then kind of established that relationship, and then I kind of knew where to push him from that for paranormals. And he, he really stepped up tenfold from where he was in the short film, so that's fun. To see. I love that his introduction is uh, uh, he's in a. Is my memory correct? He's wearing a Civil so, War uniform. Yeah, yep. yeah, that's it. And we have you know our courthouse downtown that still has like a Civil War statue right in front of it. And yeah. Stuff, so oh, nice. We're kind of playing into all that a little bit too. There's still all that that history and and the the racism and stuff it's still. Yeah. around of course all the like the confederate flag stuff and all like came out like the week before we had our shreveport premiere and i was like oh, so i feel confederate flag in the movie and the trailer i don't know <laughs> like, we're sort of making fun of all that already i guess that's okay yeah i thought about that while watching i'm like oh yeah confederate flag yeah now when you think twice about it we probably would have if that had come out before we shot but i felt like it's... we were making fun of it anyway so yeah it's it it's the south it's the South. You yeah. can't get around it. Um, right. And that, it, that was us embracing our surroundings. You know? yeah, there are people not far off. There. I mean, it's the easy guy in the, in the trailer. Yeah. And of course, you know, by the context, you know, it's not, you know, it's not you guys that are, you know, it's the character. Right. Yes. I, I spent a good day or two thinking about that, though. <laughs> I was like, if people are going to point this out now, is this a thing? I don't know. It's the character in the trailer buying a bikini. Yeah, right. I was like, it's pretty much the worst context I could have shown him. It's not a hero wearing a, a Confederate flag cape or something, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, it's... People always have to remember that, that it's always about context. And, oh yeah. boy, was that not a good context there. Right. Good scene, too. I... Yeah, that's fun to just kind of make the trashiest situation with the cringeworthy that's fun too for for my wife and uh and uh maggie allen where the two people kind of worked on set deck for us so between uh between jason's house with all the dolls and that trailer it was fun to just let them basically make the creepiest places they could think of and just trash them up with stuff that was fun well it worked it worked really well yeah good job uh one thing i was gonna address the furries yes (laughs) um which aren't the most Furry of furry costumes, right? Yeah, budget restraints. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm, yeah. I know you'd probably have um, full bodied fursuits if you could, <laughs> right? Yeah, but uh, yeah, um, furries are kind of a weird subject for me because I know a lot of them. Oh really? Like, a disproportionate number. Yeah, 
but I'm not one, and I don't really understand. I've run some around town, like not the people, but like at events there will be like a party. Yeah, yeah. Sort of takes you takes you off guard. I didn't know it was a thing until the film. I had no idea what. I knew of the subculture, but that's another. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, yeah. Do a ton of ton of research on that either. Um, But um, and again, you know. Uh, you know, we are making fun of furries, I guess, to a degree, but it's also we're putting them in a weird context where these are two particular furries right, right, out right. in the woods doing, you know, they're they're not they're not a mild furry. Kind of they don't represent the whole necessarily. Yeah. But I mean, in a way, though, I'm not sure you're far off. <laughs> yeah. As far as their motivation. Well, that's the kind of thing is like, you know, like find guys like, well, they probably are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like said, it's not representative. Yeah. The whole per se, but this is our this is the version of the furries that we imagine being in the woods in Treefort, <laughs> you know? right? Just dancing around, being animals, and making horse noises. And that was fun. That was really fun to write that confrontation they have later in Adam's room, where it's like they have heart to heart, and he's explain. And I think it's like I wanted the one person that Adam relates to to be <laughs> the most like in that scene. Adam's still the weirdest person, you know. <laughs> like there's right. two furries in his room. And you can relate to these furries still more than him in a way. They're right. so matter of fact. Right. They're so right. confident in their in their ideology. And I love that he uh he's the only one who takes off like the mask and he like puts his arm around him and he still has the hoof on it. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was kinda of fun once we figured out what kind of animals they were and we figured out kind of the costume we were able to put piece together, like we're gonna have hooves. So that, like he even puts like like, while we're doing the scene, it kind of came up because he didn't really think about it ahead of time. It's like, he really can't do anything with those. So he's, like, punching him with the hoods on. It doesn't <laughs> quite make sense, but it's kind of cartoony yeah. and fun. Like, he's just going to have the hoods on. It's not, if you really think about it, he can't really do much. But yeah. We're going to have him do several hoods on anyway. Put his, put his mask on with him. And like, it doesn't quite work, but it's kind of cartoony fun, you know? It's the equivalent of slapping somebody with flip-flops. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. But we have like the kung fu punch sounds, you know, as punching him. Knowing a lot of furries myself, that was kind of fun to watch. Good. That's good yeah. enough. Yeah. On the subject of sounds, I had to note I did catch the Wilhelm scream. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> had to do that. Gotta do it. All the sound work I was doing, I had to find a place for it. You you integrate it well. I, f- I feel like um like when they put it into movies. It's a competition to see who can make it like the most natural, or who can like right. sneak it's never in. very natural. Yeah. So it was well used. You know, somebody again. If I remember right, were they on fire? No, in the office scene at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's somebody yeah. running away. Ideally, you would have been on fire, but we couldn't. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> if I could have, I wouldn't put him on fire. No, it's just a guy in the background running. He throws. Uh, he throws papers up. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Actually, that, that very last ending scene, that three weeks later, mm-hmm. we reshot that six months later. That was the only thing we reshot. Yeah, because um, nice. the way I had originally written the ending, we kind of got to that point. It's like, okay, now they're getting to the job, and they're actually just like this idea that maybe they're going to make it as ghost professional ghost hunters. But the, we had kind of gotten to the point where we were, we were writing it, where we couldn't decide which was the better ending with, of whether he severely undercharges for his services or actually you know, like overcharges or, or, or charges appropriately i guess a, a decent amount that he could feasibly maybe have a career out of this i don't know yeah and we originally where they charged like 20 bucks and and as i was editing i was like it just 
they went all the way. They drove three hours to Dallas, and like it was just a little too dumb and dumb. Right? <laughs> it was too stupid. Right. And so we ended up redoing that and making it to where he's kind of feeling him out and charging the three thousand, and then the guy's nodding, and then he's like nine hundred ninety nine. It's hard to camera. Which is also kind of how like me charge for like video work. It's always like, kind of awkward. Right. Yeah. Service to charge for because people don't necessarily understand the price. Right. And everybody's got different. So you kind of are hoping it. You yeah. Like it. We'll call. You're kind of saying it, and if they haven't said no yet, you just keep tacking on numbers. That was that was the other thing that that took it home for me. I was like, well, we're using the guiding the guiding force of this being also a, a metaphor for filmmaking and right what we're doing right now trying to do commercial work and stuff it's what we do is we sit there and you know we're not usually a, not quite like that <laughs> but yeah yeah but we're, we're trying to feel out we're always wondering what we're going to charge because it's never the same from project to project it's like well that's that's us <laughs> yeah for uh either a artistic stuff or b like unexplored territory it's kind of hard to uh so yeah that was like that's almost a tribute to ghostbusters like the uh the hotel yep. scene yep and that kind of comes in two places it comes in at the end there but also when they're doing the jason's investigation they're in the kitchen and, and bitch is like got the notepad he's trying to get them the deal and everything right that was that that sequence was a little more of an aware uh, kind of uh, <laughs> yeah it worked well that's also a testament to just how slimy the guy is like oh yeah it's uh structural structural uh <laughs> Yeah, observance or whatever he said. Yeah, forget what he said. Structural integrity or the house or something. And I see people who like come in and maybe they'll like, uh, I had a plumber come by recently. I don't know anything about plumbing, but he's like, for this, 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 and it's all these words I didn't know, and he was just adding things. And I was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> just making all this up. I mean, it didn't, it didn't I paid him, but it was like, yeah. He could. Yeah, he could. That's what it feels like. The sink, sink working again, so I guess I'll pay him. <laughs> but yeah that was that was really funny i also love the way uh his character is set up in general uh dirk Delaire. so oh there's only one of you well i need three to start the start the tour and it's like what does yeah. it matter <laughs> right right off the bat there's nobody else around but he's, he's scamming him from the second he meets him right exactly and adam's gullible enough to go with it or begrudging enough to, to give it a shot yeah also there's a fun <laughs> It's probably a slightly out of place moment at the very beginning of that scene where the skateboarder comes by. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's Steve Olson. He's actually like a famous skateboarder who happened to be in town at the time and was working with Mitch, who oh. works. He works with Mitch at our uh, we have like a local arts council or whatever. Mitch works there, and so and so uh, Steve Olson was doing like an art project with the arts council, and so like they were getting to know each other while we were filming. <laughs> it's such a day. I'm really. Can we find a place to put Steve Olsen in the movie? It would mean a lot to me. I was like, well, at the very beginning, I don't know if it'll make sense or not. And I kind of went back and forth on that in editing. If it was just too random. It's a cool cameo. But I was like, that's it's a cameo. We don't otherwise have any notable. Yeah. <laughs> that's really cool, though. Yeah, that was really happenstance. So. Uh, I was gonna say, uh, who did the who did the music for you? Uh, Landon Miller was the main guy and he's the front man for a local band that's now they're now called the wall chargers oh, they were nice. engine at the time we made it but they've recently rebranded themselves mm-hmm. that's actually the first time work with him um on a score that's his first time to do a score and now he's gotten really interested in kind of exploring that even further uh, but he did great that was yeah. part of it too is, is you know here we are kind of making a film sort of about ourselves in our own hometown and 
another way I wanted to kind of keep it sort of that local flavor and kind of embrace the culture that we have here, even though we're distorting it severely, right. <laughs> is, to, uh, is to bring in a local musician to do the music too. Because previously I've worked, I worked with a guy named Ben Clancy who works out of Austin and he does great stuff too, but this was a fun experiment to try and yeah, that's Landon, well. yeah, that's first We've done a lot of music videos for them, too, so I knew Landon. Yeah, he's a super talented guy. That's really cool. Very specific sound. I was like, well, this, you know, when I think of, like, Shreveport music, I think of their music, and so that fits to have him kind of come in and do some stuff for us. And that may or may not, you know, be a noticeable thing, but it's kind of that subconscious stuff that kind of adds up and makes it feel specific and unique. I like that. If there's nothing else, uh, we do have, uh, we will have our... We'll have our Blu-ray out soon, which will have a commentary and a making of. Awesome. We also filmed our Q&A session after our premiere. It's on there, too. So. Oh, nice. There's a lot of us talking about it in places that will be available soon. <laughs> I'd like to know when you guys do that, because I'm interested in buying a copy from you. Sure. Yeah, just follow us on... Uh, or we have the moviesauce.com on their website, and then we also have a Facebook page. That we'll, we'll be sure to plug it on. And we, we're putting it together right now, so... Let's go. I'll make it available. I'll send you a copy. Oh yeah, thanks. And yeah, we'll uh, when that comes out, we'll also plug it on all our outlets. Awesome, excellent. Appreciate we that. have like five, so yeah. <laughs> hey, everything counts. One more than us. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to think of last minute things, just so you know. Later, don't go. Ah, damn! Forgot about that. What's your sign? <laughs> I'm an Aquarius. Penguin. Oh, you know what we get asked a lot? Uh, is if we believe in ghosts. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you were a ghost, what kind of ghost would you be? <laughs> I, I'm, the, I'm the downer. I, I, I don't believe in ghosts, but I felt okay with that because uh, Keith Shively, our co-writer, does. And so I felt that, that brought a good yin and yang to the uh, process. Yeah. I don't know. I just think, what are they doing? You know? <laughs> They're watching us. That's boring. <laughs> Put it this way, if there are ghosts, they're probably nothing like the ghosts we portray in the film. Right, <laughs> right. I doubt they're in coffee machines. Fumbling around. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If, if, if I were a ghost from the 1700s, I would totally be studying copy machines. <laughs> I put these... It is where you could cause a lot of grief for people. Mess up that. Well, you know, the thing with ghosts is, I think I don't want to believe in ghosts because I think it would just be horrible. Like, I'll just be here forever. And just yeah, I don't want to. It's boring. Yeah. It's just like, you know, that sounds so boring. It's like, I, uh, I thought I would get away from this shit. <laughs> yeah, right. Now I'm here, but nobody can see me. Make a lot of noise when they, like, moves. Right. Which I appreciated that at the Kansas City Film Festival, they put us in, like, a little, uh, like, a block of paranormal-themed movies where there was, like, was it two or three short films that opened before it that were yeah just, there are a few i remember uh i thought that was fun it kind of warmed up the movie with some other ghost movies so it was fun yeah i'd forgotten about that <laughs> it's cool to see like when you're you know when you're submitting to festivals a you don't know if you're gonna get in and then b it's like how do they end up programming it so it felt, right that was cool that they made the effort to make it like its own little like, block of paranormal advertiser yeah I'm screening for the fest again this year, and we get uh, we have a lot of good ones. I'm I'm a short screener, so I don't oh, watch okay. a lot of the features uh, unless they like absolutely need me to for balance. Were you a screener two years ago? No, just uh, last year was my first year. Let's start last year because you would have seen our short clowns and robbers played there the year before last. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> 
my town actually just lost our film festival, and I don't think that's a great loss. That's uh, the Little Rock? Yeah, Little Rock one just didn't... It, it just was never a very good film festival, to be honest. Um, they, It was one of those things... I think it was a little too... I don't know. It was really great if you really wanted to see films about s- Southern life and Southern life only. But it just got to a point where it's like, I'm interested in this. And even I feel like you guys are really playing to a very small niche. And I don't know. It just was very, it was very insular. And I, it just was never a very appealing festival to be honest. So I'm not going to miss it. Stark contrast to Kansas City Film Festival because, like, I think only about, I'm not sure what percentage of the films are actually from Kansas City, but uh, there are a lot from everywhere. I mean, we have we have good filmmakers from this area. Jeff Nichols is from the area. But, yeah, uh, yeah that wasn't really the level of quality we were getting, frankly. So That's a tricky thing to yeah, program. Right. There's, there's so many. They're all competing in the middle name, so. Yeah. We have the Louisiana Film Prize in Shreveport now, which is like a competition where you, you have to make the film in Shreveport. Yeah, it's only for short films. And you have to like come here and make it and then it plays here in like October. It's kind of it's interesting to see because you get you get out of town people that come kind of like we were talking about earlier with locations, you know. You sort of have to prove that you shoot in Shreveport. So a lot of people they get like the downtown skyline, and you get sort of similar looking stuff. And it's funny to watch because it's like we're we're trying very specifically to not be the the tourism version of Shreveport, but like the right. We grew up in Shreveport. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So all the little all the little pockets of it that like only you probably you know know uh, if you live there. Always like taking notes on drive by something like oh there's a place yeah one thing I was going to ask actually was uh, how did what like what attracted you to uh, submitting to the Kansas City Film Festival I think well initially because I, I went through that with Hans and Robert so once I played there a lot of festivals you play kind of one will kind of bound you or whatever then they kind of keep in touch and kind of get in. I don't want to say easier, but you just have a relationship festival so that makes it repeat screenings a little easier. Um, so that's why I submitted paranormal. But I was doing Clowns and Robbers. I think I found it on, I must have been looking at like a list on IndieWire or something of like some recommended festivals. Um, I try not to, you know, it's like there's there's really bad festivals, really low. In, like if you just want Laurel to throw on your poster, there's like thousands of film festivals, and it's, it's not hard to do. I try to just, I try to make like a list of like 20 to 30 that I think are like the best, or I've researched to be the best. Or if I can't get into those, then I need to keep trying and make right, that right. film or something. Um, and so that, Kansas City just happened to fall on my list of 20 or so best that I thought were worth trying to get into. So nice. Very happy. Yeah, it's, uh, I've been going to it for, I had a couple of my own films in there. Uh, in past years, uh, the shorts, and uh, yeah, it's it's consistently a pretty good festival. Like it's uh, they have good programming. Yeah, I, I mean, I've flipped through the program. I, both years, I haven't had a chance to like sit and watch a ton of movies other than like the programs I was there for. Um, but it looks like they have a strong 
stuff from breezing through the brook and everything. A lot of diversity. So. Oh yeah, a whole ton. <laughs> I mean, if they can, if they can do a whole program of shorts and features based on ghosts. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah, and for all the uh, for all the ones there, like in that little block, I think I saw a lot more while screening. That that oh, really? subject matter, yeah, uh, a lot of them actually made it in, huh. yeah, into uh, into some other some of the other shorts programs. Thank you, yeah. I appreciate y'all doing a podcast with us. Oh yeah, it's uh, it was fun. We're okay. glad to get the hype out. Yeah, and again, uh, I know I talked to you back in April, and it took like this long to get y'all on. It ended up working perfect because with the release of the movie and everything, the timing was could have been better, honestly. Yeah, so. that worked out. Yeah, we just did, we just did like a massive reorganization of the cast and how it worked. Uh, we went to Patreon and uh, yeah raised the funds to go weekly. Oh wow! Yeah, so yeah, we used to be like twice every month, and I got I got really sick at the beginning of the year, and like for for like half a year we have almost nothing. Uh, like there's one cast we recorded like live. I actually called it live from the hospital. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's basically just uncut. Threw it up there. I had to throw up a few mini sods that were just me talking. Uh, yeah, that's how we got a. Uh, that's how we got a review of Paddington up. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's that all kind of went on, and now you know, kind of filling in the lineup. It's like. Okay, now we gotta get the paranormals guys on. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now, you, now you're gonna run, you're gonna be looking for a lot of content if you're doing weekly. Yeah. We are actually. That's what's fun about it is that we can just basically, if we decide on on um, one of the things that we've done is we've had our patrons. Uh, if you hit a certain level, we'll let you decide on what the cast is uh, once every three months. We've had a couple people cash in on that, and they've been uh, good to good results. Yeah, that's cool. cool. So we'll that's, that's what we're yeah. doing. We'll say we have more movies at some point in the future. We'll talk to you all about. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah, oh we'd yeah. Love we, to, uh, we'd love to have you on again at some point too. Uh, real quick, anything y'all want to promote uh, beyond this? Yeah, we're getting into the promotions part of the cast. I would just say yeah, just just plug, just point people to uh, our website and our YouTube channel. Uh, moviesauce.com and uh, youtube.com slash moviesaucefilms mm -hmm. so we pretty consistently are uploading things whether they're original movies or our uh, our ride home review show or uh, commercial projects or music videos yeah a little bit of everything got a lot of random things sounds great we'll get it out for y'all and get the word out you can find us on our blog at thefilmroom.podbean.com you can email us at filmroompodcast at gmail.com we are on twitter the cast is at filmroomcast i am at permanent man prd austin is at a tiled user do you guys have any uh, twitters that you'd like to um we don't actually don't we have instagram but not twitter okay uh, so movie sauce on okay we'll throw that up too we're trying yeah we're yeah you can find us on facebook facebook.com slash the film room patreon patreon.com slash the film room just a one dollar a month thing gets you all the bonus content and uh high praise and uh, thank you sheila thank you daisy thank you sean from no totally thank you bridget thank you uh nathan also our side blog where we do nostalgia at 
thefilmroomlobby.wordpress.com. We have a double release coming up. Next time, we're kind of going back to almost as a follow-up and expansion of our first cast. Um, in our first cast, we, of course, laid out who we were and what we were doing. And we made mention of this movie, but we're going to finally do on our next cast a full-on discussion of Best Worst Movie in Troll 2. We're going, we're going to take a look at uh, the definitive film about cult movies and one of the definitive cult movies. So that's what's next for us. Is it sad that I've only seen Troll 2, like the actual movie Troll 2, once? I've seen it several oh, yeah. times. I've, I've... Yeah, three or four times. It, it, it just... I own Best Worst Movie, and I have seen it way more times than I've seen Troll 2. <laughs> I'm about equal. I'm about equal. So that's, that's what's next for us. So, y'all then. Thanks for listening, y'all. Bye, Like I know there's a demon in you. Can't you, like, pick something else to possess? I've seen people and, you know, that can, I mean, I don't know. Like, get creative. Oh, you can possess a machine as a demon? Wow. You know what's scarier than, like, a copy machine? A tank? I just think you're limiting your potential. As a demon and as a copy printer, faxer, scanner, what have you.